This is the Vegetarian Zen Podcast, episode number 283. Hey there, Veg Zeners. Welcome back to Vegetarian Zen, a peaceful place for vegetarians, vegans, and the veg curious to share tips for living a healthier plant-based lifestyle. I am one of your hosts, Vicki. And this is Larissa. We are very excited today about the interview we are about to present to you. We had the distinct honor of interviewing Gene Bauer. If you're not familiar with who Gene Bauer is, you will be. He is the co-founder and the president of Farm Sanctuary, which you're going to learn a little bit more about in this episode. And he's somebody that we've admired quite a bit. And we know we have quite a few members in our community that admire his advocacy for the animals. So we're going to get into that in just a bit. Before we do, we want to give a special shout out to our sponsors today, the Golden Apple Roundtable. If you're not familiar with these folks, you should be, because these are the folks that keep the lights on here at Vegetarian Zen and make things like today's episode possible. They are folks who support us on a monthly basis through patreon.com. And if you're not familiar with Patreon, essentially it's a membership platform that makes it easy for artists and creators to get support from their fans, followers, and community members. Many people don't realize that there are costs involved with putting together a podcast a quality podcast that is and <laughs> uh, so we're plugging not, not just, just plugging your iPhone into your your phone your and then just and, uploading that right. somewhere <laughs> uh, we do incur costs for media hosting website hosting equipment etc so any monetary support that we receive through patreon from these wonderful folks uh, goes directly back into the cost of producing the podcast and keeping it going free to our listeners on a weekly basis and we've been doing this for five years five every week. Yep. If you're interested in supporting us on a monthly basis, please head out to patreon.com forward slash vegetarian zen. And there you will find a short video from Larissa and, and I where we talk about the mission of vegetarian zen. And on the right hand side of the page, you will see various support levels anywhere from a dollar to $50 per month. And certain levels will qualify you for some VZ swag <laughs> merch such as a car magnet. I just like saying that. Uh-huh. Car magnet, recyclable grocery bag, stickers, or t-shirts. And even a dollar a month can go a long way because you know what? Even if you give a dollar a month, somebody else gives a dollar a month, those dollars a month add That's $2 up. a month. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so thank you to our current and future Golden Apple Roundtable members. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into our interview, which was so exciting. Gene Bauer began his activist career selling veggie hot dogs out of a VW van at a Grateful Dead concert to fund, or concerts, I guess. Maybe he was a, I guess he was a deadhead. I forgot to ask him about that. Uh, to fund farm and animal rescues. He is currently, as we mentioned, the president and co-founder of Farm Sanctuary, which he founded in 1986. Gene also testified in courts and before local, state, and federal legislative bodies advocating for better conditions for farm animals. His most important achievements include winning the first ever cruelty conviction, this is very impressive, at a U.S. stockyard and introducing the first U.S. laws to prohibit cruel farming confinement methods in Florida, Arizona, and California. His efforts have been covered by top news organizations, including the New York Times, Los Angeles Times, Chicago Tribune, and the Wall Street Journal. He's also published two bestsellers, including Farm Sanctuary, Changing Hearts and Minds About Animals, and uh, Living the Farm Sanctuary Life 
which he co-authored with Forks Over Knives author Gene Stone. He's also been called the conscious of the food movement by Time Magazine. And in 2016, just a couple years ago, he was selected by Oprah Winfrey as an inspired leader honoree of Oprah Winfrey's network, Super Soul 100 Givers. Very impressive. Very impressive. And a very, very nice man, as you will see. Very nice. So without further ado, let's bring on Gene. Welcome to the show, Gene. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Welcome. Okay, so before we get, I really wanted to have you on the show today to talk about the Adopt-A-Turkey program, which is something we've talked about within our vegetarian Zen community for a very long time. And I mentioned to you before we actually started recording that I had reached out to Farm Sanctuary. I was about to get our whole process started with adopting a turkey. And I thought, you know, maybe I should reach out to Farm Sanctuary and see if they have somebody who can come on and discuss the Adopt-A-Turkey program, give a little bit more information. And lo and behold, I get hooked up with a representative who said, sure, I'll send you Gene Bauer. <laughs> Great. That's awesome. So uh, so here you are. And I definitely want to get uh, talking a little bit about that. But before we get into that, for those who aren't familiar with Farm Sanctuary, can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah. Uh, Farm Sanctuary started back in 1986. And at the time, our primary focus was doing investigations of factory farms to document and expose conditions. And we felt that if people saw what was happening, they wouldn't want to support this abusive industry. And we still think it's important for people to see what is happening on factory farms and to be aware of it and to be encouraged to eat plants instead of animals. But it's, I think, a lot more than just people seeing the images. I think people also need tools and support to start eating plant foods instead of animal foods. So it's a much bigger process than our original thinking that if we show people, they're not going to want to support it. And so during our investigations, we would find living animals who were discarded. And in some cases, they were thrown in trash cans. Uh, In some cases, they were dumped on piles of dead animals. So we started rescuing these animals. And that's how the sanctuaries began. They grew out of our investigations. And it was a way to help individual animals uh, and to do something positive amidst this violence and cruelty and abuse that we were witnessing. But it was also a way to heal ourselves. And the sanctuaries today continue being a place of healing and transformation for animals and also for people. Farm sanctuary is a place where vegan is normal, where the animals are our friends, not our food, and where people can come and be immersed in that sort of experience and and get to know cows and and pigs and, and chickens and turkeys and other farm animals like individuals and it's a it's a very uh, beautiful and moving experience and so that's what farm sanctuary is about so so you had meant you mentioned uh, sanctuaries uh how many locations do you have now well we operate two at this time that are open to the public we have one up in watkins Glen, new york and one in acton california just outside of los angeles and the watkins Glen visitor season is about to end just because it gets so cold up there. Uh, But the Acton farm near LA continues through the year. We do tours there on weekends. And we also host events at the sanctuaries, including a hoedown, for example, in August up in Watkins Glen, New York, where you have hundreds of people from around the country, sometimes around the world, who come to hang out and, and listen to talks about animal issues and vegan issues, get to hang out with animals and, and fellow aspiring vegans or longtime vegans. And then every year for Thanksgiving, we hold celebrations for the turkeys. 
where the turkeys are our guests of honor, not the main course. And we, you know, set a table and we have these elaborate feasts that we feed the turkeys. And then we eat vegan food ourselves. So we just did that at our farm out in Acton, California. We'll be doing one in Watkins Glen, New York. And we encourage people around the country to rethink the traditional Thanksgiving and to consider saving turkeys instead of eating them. And that's what our Adopt-A-Turkey program is about. That's awesome. And, you know, the thing is, there are so many alternatives these days, even in the time that Larissa and I became vegetarian, which has been, we became vegetarians in 2013. There have been a lot of changes with respect to convenience of the foods that are out there. There's so many websites and YouTube channels and other podcasts and such that help folks understand more about eating plant-based and and it's not just about tofu. <laughs> There's a you're, whole bunch of awesome stuff out there. No, you're absolutely right. It's become easier and easier. There's been large investments in fact in the plant-based food sector from some huge companies. So uh, plant-based foods are becoming much more widely accessible, and that's a very positive thing. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that we've seen change in the, just in the last five years has been where there was kind of this fighting, and I think there still is quite a bit of fighting back from the meat and dairy industry on some, on some, some aspects. But in other aspects, you see them actually where that tide is starting to change, where they're starting to actually make investments into vegan options or meat alternatives. That I think is very encouraging. I do too. I think it's a very positive sign. And, you know, the meat, dairy, and egg industries are not a monolith, you know, just like the vegan movement is not a monolith. You know, within each, there are different perspectives, different approaches. And so in animal agriculture, you do have some folks that are very dug in and who try to hold on to the status quo. And then you have others who are much more forward-looking. And you even have huge, historically animal-based businesses that are now starting to expand and invest in plant-based alternatives. And, and I think that's a very positive sign. Definitely. I, I think the thing that still continues at least to be a little challenging is that it seems like there are some cards stacked against us in the sense that there's a lot of lobbying and a lot of subsidies that still go on to the meat and dairy industry. And I know you've been a very vocal about your opposition to a lot of this and really how we try to come out against this. And, you know, we just finished midterm elections. We had a record number of people who headed out to the polls, which I think is amazing. One of the things I worry about is that, you know, there's a lot of big topics that are dominating the, these types of debates that we have. And I, sometimes I get afraid that these topics will get lost, you know, like animal rights and things like that. How, how would, would you encourage people to participate or to help ensure that these topics don't get lost? Yeah, no, that's a, a really important question. You know, the political process is very challenging, and it's been said that we have the best government money can buy. And I think that's pretty true. And animal agriculture has invested in our political process at the state level, the local level, and also in Washington, D.C., and even internationally for decades. So they're very much entrenched, and the system in place currently enables and promotes animal-based farming. So it's going to take some time to change that. And I think it's going to be a variety of efforts that all contribute to changing it. And one of those has to do with changing laws and policies. So it's very important to show up. 
to vote. Democracy is a participatory sport, and unless we show up, uh, our voices will not be heard. So that's critically important. But it's also important to realize that the government is very much influenced by money and business. And we vote with our dollars every day. And when we purchase animal foods, we are essentially voting for those industries who then have more money in their bank accounts to spend in Washington, D.C. and places like that. Uh, but if instead we start supporting plant-based businesses or even aspects of large companies that are multidimensional that have plant-based divisions, then we are voting for those types of businesses. And they will, as time goes, have more influence in Washington and in the political process. So we need to be uh, conscientious consumers, vote with our dollars, but also show up and vote at the polls in, in this democracy. Gene, uh, just switching a little bit from the external factors that we just talked about that can sometimes be challenging for our community to more internal factors, I heard you on an interview talk about healthy versus unhealthy behaviors within our vegetarian, vegan, plant-based community. And by that, talking more in the context of how sometimes we can point fingers at each other for not being vegan enough or not doing enough. And I think that some, can sometimes be discouraging to people. In fact, one of the things that encouraged Lewis and I to start this podcast was when we first became vegetarian, we had some fingers pointed at us as well as to, well, why aren't you vegan? Or if you really care about animals, you'd be vegan. And I think we were just both stubborn enough not to, not to let that sway us. But I know sometimes that can sway people. And I've been in other groups sometimes on Facebook where somebody asks a question innocently enough and just seems to get jumped on. And, and then they say, well, I'm leaving and I'm never coming back. And I, I really don't think those are healthy conversations for us to have. Can you talk a little bit about that? I know that's something you believe in also. And I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that. No, I think that unfortunately, in many cases in our movement, people, because they're so upset about what is happening to animals and just the, the violence that humans perpetrate on others, that we can sometimes not behave very well to each other. And we get just so upset that we lose perspective. And um, over the years, you know, this is one of the things that's bothered me the most is just how animal people attack each other. And rather than supporting each other and helping each other become more effective advocates, um, we can sometimes start a lot of internal skirmishes and battles and wasted energy. So I think that for me, um, this movement is about kindness. And for me, being vegan is aspiring to live as kindly as possible. And it also, you know, I also realize that nobody is perfect, not even the most vegan vegan. We can always do better. And I don't eat any animal products or use any animal products. But, you know, I travel on airplanes quite a bit, which is not ideal. I, you know, use products that have too much plastic in them. So there are things that I can do better. And I think it's important for us as a movement to have some humility and to realize that all of us are just trying to do as well as we can. And that includes people who are non-vegan. And most of us grew up eating animal products without thinking about it. And change can be very scary. So I think it's important to speak to people where they are on their own journeys, to find common ground, and to build from there. And to celebrate each incremental step in a positive direction. 
and to focus on the positive steps and to build and encourage those instead of focusing on the area of disagreement or an area where somebody's causing harm and making that the focus of the discussion because it, it tends to drive people apart. And in the vegan movement, there is great passion and great desire for a kinder world. And there's also, I think, great trauma and pain that comes with seeing the harm that humans cause to other animals and also to the earth and to other people. And it's, it's important to just step back and not get too immersed in the trauma and the pain because that then starts playing out, I think, within our own movement. And, you know, there's this saying, hurt people hurt people. And I think it's true. If, if, if somebody is hurt and traumatized and upset, unless they've been able to process that and deal with it in a healthy way, they tend to lash out and hurt other people. And, and that kind of trauma just tends to spread. So it's about stepping back, looking at our behaviors, recognizing what is healthy and promotes kindness and compassion and understanding and connection with others and empathy. And what behaviors do the opposite? What divides us? What causes anxiety and judgment and anger towards, I mean, anger is a healthy uh, um, emotion, I think. It's, it's, you know, we do get angry when we see bad things happening. Or maybe it's not healthy, but it's, it's a, a natural response. It's but productive. It can be productive. It, it, it can be productive, right? We need to try to take our energy and our anger and our upset about the injustice and channel it into positive, productive responses. And that is sometimes in the animal movement, we don't do a great job of that. Well, and you know, one of the things that we say often on our uh, podcast and in our community is that it's not an all or nothing thing. And I think that, you know, when, when we talk about that a lot, it, it kind of goes toward eating a, a vegan or a vegetarian diet. So meaning that, you know, if you, I guess, for be- lack of a better word, slip up or, you know, it's not, it's not an all or nothing thing. You just kind of do the best that you can. And it sounds like you're kind of take that philosophy in the communication and the uh, relationships area too. Yes. Yes. You know, I think change happens incrementally. And if it's going to be all or nothing, you know, when it comes to change, it's usually nothing. So uh, change usually happens step by step. So I celebrate each step in a positive direction. And I think that small steps lead to bigger steps that over time can lead to big change. And um, I look at that legislatively. I look at that from a business standpoint. I look at that from personal behaviors. And when we expect others to change and become like we are, um, that's not usually a healthy way to approach stuff. And so it's important to be respectful of others. And, you know, within the animal movement, I think it's very healthy for there to be different opinions, different perspectives, different experiences. And for us to be able to share our experiences in a safe place and to have conversations and to know that all of us have the same goal of living as kindly as possible and preventing animals and the earth and other people from suffering needlessly. I mean, it's, it's very hard to find people that would disagree with that basic perspective. Now, there are different opinions about how do we create the vegan world we dream about. Uh, and I think there's uh, important discussions that have to happen there. 
Um, and, and, and in fact, using the word vegan, as I often do, can even be problematic because it really is sort of bimodal. You're either in or out. You're a vegan or you're not. You know, so it makes things sound more black and white than they really are. And so sometimes I talk about living a vegan lifestyle or practicing being a vegan. And all of us are works in progress. And so as a vegan, um, you know, I am constantly evaluating and trying to refine my conduct and my thinking even and try to go towards living as kindly as possible. But it's an ongoing process. And so for me, being vegan is not an end point. It's not a label. It's a practice. Definitely. We were having a conversation recently about what if, I think I was watching the news and I was telling Larissa, I said, wouldn't it be something if all labels somehow, and this is just fiction, but became outlawed where you couldn't call somebody anything that was like liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican, you couldn't use those words. And, and how, would we, how would we describe each other? You know, how, we rely so much on labels a lot of times, and we, with those labels, we associate a lot of stereotypes. And I, I think that's, that can be unhealthy in some ways, you know, because yeah. we, in our heads, we in our heads have certain ideas of what that means. And I, Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think that kind of drives us apart a little bit. I completely agree. Labels can tend to categorize and separate. And, you know, there are distinctions, but I think that we need to find connection instead of separation. Mm -hmm. And labels do tend to separate, unfortunately. So, so let's, um, let's wrap up here on uh, talking a little bit more about the sanctuary. I'd love to know a little bit more about how many animals you have um, and then how, how we as the, you know, uh, the public can help to support the sanctuary. And we definitely wanted to talk about the turkeys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 farm sanctuary uh, currently cares for about a thousand animals at our farms in New York and California. And once these animals come to us, they're allowed to live out their lives. In many cases, when they first arrive, they're very frightened of people because they've only known cruelty. Now, these are animals that have been found left for dead or who have been uh, very badly treated. They, they've suffered mutilations. Pigs have their tails cut off. Turkeys and chickens have their beaks cut off or parts of their beaks cut off. So when people have approached them in the past, it has been, meant pain. And, and now they're in a place where they're going to only know kindness. So, so it's an adjustment, but it's something that the animals really heal from this kindness and they start to blossom and to develop into the individuals that they are and they're able to express their own personalities and and we have animals on the farm who are more shy than others who are free to stay away from people and we have animals who love human companionship and we have sheep for example who love to be petted and when you stop petting them they will paw at you like a cat or a dog saying keep petting me <laughs> um, and we have turkeys who are very friendly and who want to spend time with people. And we have others who are more shy and would rather keep their distance. But some of our, our friendly turkeys will actually follow you around in the barnyard like a puppy dog. And, and some will even sit on your lap uh, because they like human companionship so much. So farm animals, like other animals, are individuals. They have their own personalities. And at Farm Sanctuary, those are allowed to be expressed. I think what's so amazing to me about animals is how forgiving they are. 
I, I think that even having gone through what they have gone through, and like you said, some are a little more shy and some just just based on their personality want that human interaction, but overall just how forgiving they are. You know, we've, we've not been around a lot of farm animals, but we've been, we have friends who are in the rescue business and, you know, we have five rescues of our own. We have three cats and two dogs. And it's just amazing to me how they want that interaction. Absolutely. Other animals like human beings respond to kindness and love. You know, I mean, all of us fundamentally have the same basic needs and animals are no different. I think that Animals, though, tend not to hold grudges and tend not to um, get wrapped up in negative things like human beings can. So animals are forgiving. Animals are healing, too. You know, as we take care of animals and, and watch them heal from the traumas they've experienced, we also heal. And so it's a mutually beneficial relationship that we share with animals at Farm Sanctuary. And I think that's ultimately what this is about is creating mutually beneficial relationships with other animals and with other people and with the earth ultimately. So we're going to have in the show notes, we're going to have a link to the adopt a Turkey program. Did this program start when you started pretty much right out of the gate when you started farm sanctuary? Yeah, farm sanctuary was founded in 1986 and we started the adopt a Turkey program that year. And it was because as vegans, we were having a hard time figuring out how to celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday and we wanted to take this holiday that is based on and had been focused on the body of a dead bird in the middle of a table and come up with a more compassionate alternative. So we thought, you know, instead of killing and eating turkeys, what about creating a program where people could save turkeys and see them as friends instead of as food and adopt turkeys who are allowed to live out their lives? So the Adopted Turkey program started back in 1986. And it's grown quite a lot since then. There are sanctuaries around the world now, in fact, who do the same thing, which is great to see. Now, we also do celebrations for the turkeys at our sanctuaries, where we host meals and feed the turkeys. And people are allowed to come visit with them and give them pumpkin pie. And it's, it's wonderful to see kids especially feeding these turkeys and relating to them just like they would relate, relate to cats or dogs or other companion animals. So... Um, but it's been a big part of our organization since the beginning. Well, that's awesome. And we're going to have a link to the Adopted Turkey Program, to your farm sanctuary, and also to your uh, two books. So you have um, two New York Times bestseller books, actually, correct? You have the um, Farm Sanctuary, which was the first book, and then you had the um, Living the Farm Sanctuary Life. Yes, those are the two books, yeah. and I'm very happy that they're out there in the world. And uh they were national bestsellers. They weren't New York Times bestsellers, but ah. they did reach lots of people. <laughs> bestsellers. <laughs> yes, that's serious. Well, it's, it's so funny when, uh, when Vicki posted in our, we have a closed Facebook group for our uh, podcast and we've got about 3000 people in there and very active. And uh, when Vicki posted in there that, that we would be interviewing you, uh, had lots of comments and lots of excited people. Uh, but one person actually uh, took a picture of living the farm sanctuary life and said, look what I'm reading right now. So, so uh, yeah, so you're definitely getting out there with those. That's so nice to hear. Well, the first book, Farm Sanctuary, Changing Hearts and Minds About Animals and Food, was really about the formation of farm sanctuary, about our investigations, includes a lot of substantive information about the industry that we were and still are confronting today. And each chapter ends with a happy story of a rescued animal, you know, because I think it's important to have hope in the midst of the 
cruelty of animal agriculture. The second book, Living the Farm Sanctuary Life, is more of a how-to. So it provides some background information, goes into environmental issues as well as ethical issues, and then includes a hundred amazing vegan recipes from top-notch chefs. So uh, there are two books. They each have, uh, they're complementary, but they're sort of for different purposes. And as mentioned, we'll have links to those and we need to get the second book. We have the first book. We don't have the second book yet. So we're definitely going to get that one. Uh, Gene, thank you so much for all you've done for the animals. We really appreciate you as part of the plant-based community ourselves. We really appreciate you adding such a positive voice and also giving hope for our community that we can actually do something to make a positive change. No, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the approach you take as well. And, you know, really it's about lifting people up, encouraging people to live in alignment with their own humanity, uh, to live compassionately. And I think most people would rather be kind instead of cruel, would rather eat food that is nourishing instead of food that makes us sick like we do in this country, and would rather support a food system that's not destroying the planet. So this is really all about a win-win-win and Uh, I'm just grateful to do this work and to be able to speak with folks like you as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. And hug the turkeys for us. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be up there soon. (laughs) Great. Great. What a great interview that was. He was so easy to talk to. I I told Larissa when when we found out that we were going to be interviewing him, I got a little bit nervous at first, you know, (laughs) this guy has really done a lot of stuff. But as soon as we got on the phone with him, he was just so easy to talk to. And so So, kind. So very kind, very Mm -hmm. kind. So we want to close this episode with a quote from him. And the quote is, the animals show us the enjoyment of simple pleasures and of being in the moment. They teach us that we are of this world. Amazing. And with that... Until next time, peace out. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Vegetarian Zen. We've created a free resource for you to show you five ways to sneak more fruits and veggies into your diet. You can download it right now by visiting vegetarianzen.com. Until next time, wishing you a happy body and a healthy mind. 